Hello, and welcome to another new episode of the Somewhat Damaged Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Alperin, and with me, as always, John B. Today, we welcome legendary comedian Jimmy Schubert. We're talking about touring with Sam Kennison, food, and of course, old school comedy. There's a piano in the background. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a day in the life of Jimmy Schubert. <laughs> Here he is walking through his hotel lobby right now. <laughs> as he, uh, yeah. Well, cool. <laughs> There we go. Oh, man. Get this shit set up. Uh, I'm on the go. I'm on the move. We're trying to guess the hotel. John, you have any guesses at what hotel this is, what chain this is? I don't know. Whatever hooker he's meeting is definitely an house <laughs> call because that looks like at least a Ramada. It's actually, it's called the Mikado. <laughs> so, there we go. Where are you? How's that? I'm, uh, I'm actually in Los Angeles. Oh. I had to, uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm actually in LA. I had to come out here for a couple of days before I head to Austin. I just did two weeks in Vegas. Oh, I just two weeks in Vegas, so uh, I got to get a cat scan. I think I have brain damage. Get the fuck out of here. You're fine. No, I'm, <laughs> no, no, I'm serious. Two, two weeks in Vegas, bro. I'm on t- <laughs> it's fucking brutal. But, uh, all right, I heard good. it. So we're ready. Go ahead. No, no, like 12 o'clock last night, I think they went, or this morning, they went to uh, all mask mandates in Vegas, right? Yeah, no, actually, it was last Friday. Yeah. Oh, it was last Friday. And last oh, Friday, went to full mask mandates. Holy shit. I, and in LA, they're like, you know, they're, they're the same thing. You know, right. this Delta variant. I mean, if you want to scare somebody, don't call it the Delta variant. Delta's never done anything on time, you know? It's like... It's <laughs> 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 Good night. <laughs> right, wait, so we can, uh, how's this, this work okay for you guys? Yeah, it's fine. All right, Where, uh, so wait, so you don't live in LA? Where do you live? No, I moved to, I moved to, uh, I moved to Delray Beach, Florida in the middle of the pandemic. Oh, nice. I just, I couldn't, t- I thought, you know, it's, I don't know, something about, something about being able to do whatever the fuck I want, uh, not wearing a mask, not being locked down, being able to make a living, you know, got me thinking maybe I should get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm a road comic anyway, so I'm always traveling. It's not like I have yeah. to fucking live any place. Right. And to tell you the truth, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I had like three big auditions, and we just record them on the iPad and just submit them on your Vimeo account. It's, I mean, you don't yeah. have to live here now. Right. Certainly. I mean, there's no reason to. It's the, uh, to tell you the truth, uh, you know, like that. It's, I mean, uh, they're starting to clean up the homeless problem out here, but the homeless problem is pretty significant. I mean, there's like 30 people living on the bridge, like two blocks from my house. I had to get out. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's unbelievable. I was out in, I was, uh, I was living in LA for a month out in November, and we were staying in Hollywood, and right by like the 405, like one of the overpasses over there. Literally, they were running illegal power from a station, from, from like a lamppost, and they had air conditioning going and shit. Guy was spinning fucking records at 12 noon. Like DJing in the middle of this compound, I was like, "What the hell is this? It's out of control." Then Venice, Venice is another story. That place is a fucking shithole now. Well, yeah, yeah, Venice and, and Marina del Rey, which were like really nice areas. I mean, Jesus, go look, look at San Francisco, look at Portland, yeah. look at look at Seattle. I mean, you know, they got these like six, like sixty people in these ten cities, one hundred and twenty people just living in tents. It's 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 uh, it's insane. I, you know, I want to see that every day. That's obnoxious. 
Yeah, it's great. I feel bad for those people, but a lot of it's mental illness or drugs or whatever it is, or they're just actors that haven't gotten a good big break. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're auditioning for Breaking Bad 2. So so wait, so you said, so when you're auditioning over like Zooms and and on iPads and stuff, like how, how does that change the audition process? Well, you know, you can really work on it. You can really work on, you know, what you're trying to, you know, convey. It's, you know, you set up the thing and you, you get to run it a couple times before you actually record it. Right. And you get to do your best version of it, you know, because it's, look, they're not even looking at a lot of people anymore. Just the fact that you're even auditioning is a big deal because they're only looking at like 30 or 40 people. Whereas before they might look at two or 300 people for a specific role. Now it's just, uh, they go, yeah, just get some people that have been working. I mean, the the, the the COVID test, like I was just talking, I know it's gonna sound like really Hollywood, but I just had a coffee with this director shooting this movie in Vegas that they want me in, that Jamie Kennedy's attached and they're thinking about getting Donald Rollins and Russell Peters for it. But it's, uh, but the COVID, the COVID tests and the COVID protocols are gonna cost them an additional $30,000. So if you're shooting a $100,000 movie, you need an additional 30,000 to cover the protocols because they want you all to live in a bubble and they don't want to bring it into the set and all this other stuff. So it's changed everything, Uh, you know, so, but there is definitely no reason to live out here with the high rents, the high taxes and everything. Right. You know, how does it change the comedy for you though? I mean, you're, you're touring just weeks out in Vegas and shit like that. You know, but I'm like, but I'm a touring comedian, you know I mean? I like, like I'm not, you know, I mean, that's what I do. I try to travel the country. I tour. Our audience comedy. is more fun now, though. Because yeah, well, you know, it's funny. It seems like, it seems like now you're doing a mitzvah for the audience. It seems like they. I, I don't think they realize how much they missed it. So there's not really a whole lot of heckling. There's people that are just grateful. They're just grateful to be able to laugh again. And believe me, it's. I think it affected people's mental health. This whole thing has affected people. So they're like, yeah, I want to get out and laugh. I want to have a good time. And so, yeah, I think they appreciate it a little more. That's just been my observation. But you know, uh, but yeah, it's it's. Uh, How is like when you were if just in Vegas? Were you res- like a residency at one at one spot for a couple of weeks, or were you? Yeah, well, I was at that. Well, I was at Brad Garrett's club at the MGM, which is right. real nice. Sure. It's a real nice club. And then uh, the, right after that, I went over to the uh, LA Comedy Club. Which is a little not. It's just like a regular comedy club, but I want. I was working on a bunch of new stuff, right. and whenever I'm working on stuff, I like to go to Vegas because it's a great uh, kind of a, amalgamation of people from all over the country. Sure. So you would really get a good idea of how the stuff really plays. Right. So the second week, I was working on a bunch of stuff, and Brad Garrett's is a real nice club. I mean, you got, I wore suits and ties every night in that place, but at the LA Comedy Club, it was just kind of like t-shirts and jeans, and I was able to kind of go up on stage and workshops and stuff. So that was, you know, every club's different. It depends, you know, what the deal is. So. What's the difference between the audiences in those two clubs? Well, you know, no, they're great. I, I mean, you know, the great audiences, uh, you know, it's a blue collar audience up there. You know, these, I mean, Brad's club, the, the audience is a little older, a little more, uh, I would say kind of conservative, but you know, like they're all older folks with discretionary income. Sure. And the, and, and over at the stratosphere, it was a little more, uh, you know, but still, a, a blue collar audience, and they were great audiences. They, you know, they were just—I think, yeah, people are just happy to be out and laughing again, man. Sure, for sure. Do you like when you're working those? You know, those 
obviously the, the exact polar opposite ends of Vegas, right? So you have the stratosphere way down at one end and then MGM clear, clear at the other. Is yeah. like, do you like, it, it's just a different vibe when you're on one side of the, the strip to, to the other. Do you like change it up if you were going to work one or the other, if you were working, if you weren't trying new material out? or? Well, no, not really, man. My, my act's designed. I mean, I, I like I said, I'm a touring pro. So the stuff has to work in Philadelphia. It's got to work in Chicago. It's got to work in San Francisco. It's got to work in Austin. It's got to work everywhere. So it's really kind of like, you know, uh, I, I mean, you know, and I, I'm a very Americanized comedian. I mean, you know, you have to be paying attention to stuff that, that, that I'm, you know, that, that's going on in the world, to even to like, you know, just to get the stuff. It's like, you know, I, I mean, yeah, so. It's got to be funny. That's my only consideration. That it's <laughs> fucking funny, and uh, and so, but yeah, it's yeah. The act doesn't change that much. I mean, I was just I was just working on a couple of bits. Right. I'm just working on flushing out a couple premises that I had and trying to turn them into like I call I call it like getting a bit performance ready, where it it would it would crush like eighty to ninety percent of the time. So you just get it. So if, there's so if it doesn't work, then something I did, not something the audience did. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I, you mentioned Philly. You're a Philly guy. Have you been back? Do you still got family over there? Oh, yeah, man. I got five brothers. There's six of us all together. And they all live in Philly and the surrounding areas like Doylestown and Ben Salem and yeah. Huntington Valley. And so I go back and my mom and dad are still there and they're still married. And I go back and see them. And, uh, you know, and because I moved to Florida, I mean, I'm just a quick two and a half hour flight, like right yeah, up right and it flies right into Trenton. And then from yeah, Trenton, yeah. it's, a $20, it's like a $20 lift ride to my parents' house. So I get to see my folks a little more and they're getting older. So that's, you know, that's uh, that's that's a plus of living on the East Coast. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. What uh, we were going we're going to get to a little bit later on, but we want to talk. I want to talk. I got a question. Do you have. All right. Are you a cheesesteak guy or are you more of like a roast pork, Italian roast pork guy? You know, that's a great question. I, I actually, uh, I'm a cheesesteak guy, I would say, but I do love the roast pork. The roast pork with like a, you know, like some broccoli robin, some uh, provolone cheese. But, you know, that, I mean, depending, or, or American cheese and cherry peppers, depending, you know, <laughs> so many variations. Are you a whiz guy? Yeah. Do you a whiz? whiz? No, I, li I like American cheese with light you like onions. The All right. All American right. cheese with light onions. And I and I have Pats and Geno's are going to Geno's. Okay, no. see, I don't go to either. I go to Tony Luke's or I go to the Knicks. Yeah, Tony Luke's is great. Tony Luke's is great. And there's a place called Steve Prince's Steaks, which is up in the Northeast. And oh, those yes. things, I mean, you need a hot shower after you get done with one of those sandwiches. Yeah. I mean, it's just messy and gooey and delicious. And, uh, you know, no wonder uh, no wonder people, that's why I just read an article that said obesity's gotten so bad in, in Philadelphia that two out of three people have now become four out of five people. That's how bad it's gotten. Because it's carbon, they're, they're carbivores. They eat a lot of bread with their sandwiches. <laughs> that you're, bread's great. When you're when you're in Philly, right, if you want a steak sandwich, like, are you really going to go to Pat or Gino's? Like, or would you just go your no, local? No, I, there's right? there's I said I would go Steve Prince's Steaks up in Northeast. Right. Up in the Northeast, because that's that's actually. I heard uh, about that spot. Yeah, like, I heard that's yeah, actually the place I, to go I was, uh, I, was doing a, I was doing a gig with uh brad trackman uh, who's yeah. a cherry guy from you know brad and yeah, uh, know, we brad. stopped in and got we stopped we got one of them cheesesteaks he was like dude <laughs> dude that was great like he, he couldn't <laughs> believe it he goes i'm gonna go take a hot shower after that sandwich I was 
So as a Philly guy, you were jumping because 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 and listen, from Philly you went to LA. You weren't doing like the whole circuit down in uh, in in Atlantic City and Philly. You just moved to LA to kind of fucking be to be it. Well, yeah, yeah, no, I did it for a couple years in Philly, and then I said, look, if I go to New York, I'm still going to have to go to LA eventually. Right. I said, so why don't I go to LA, skip New York, and I'll develop out there. And I'm glad I did. It was, you know, it's uh, look, I grew up on the East Coast. I don't have to, you know, I, I got an East Coast attitude. It was just a matter of being able to develop. You know, uh, started working at the comedy store, uh, wound up touring with Sam Kinison for about five or six years as one of his regular opening acts, which was awesome. Different yeah. time period in, in comedy history, but still just a, a great kind of fun thing. We were doing theaters, like 5,000 seaters, 60, 6,300 seats. It was amazing. And and so I, I've been doing comedy for like in LA for like probably four or five years before I got that opportunity. I went out there when I was 19, but I wound up getting on tour with Sam when I was like 25, 26 years old. And wow. so I had enough polish on me. And I was doing spots every night. Like, I mean, I was doing spots at the comedy store. Like, the one money that we could do, we could go to the Natural Fudge. We'd go over to Monty Steakhouse in Westwood. Uh, then we'd go over to the Alley Cat Bistro in Colville City, shoot up to the Silver Screen Jazz Room at the Hyatt, which was right next door to the comedy store, which did an open mic night, and then go to the comedy store for a late night set. So I could get, I could get about five or six sets on a Monday night. Wow. Which was great, and that and the first couple times you did that, I mean, I it, you, you know you just hit these plateaus as a performer. I just knew I, I go, I'm not. A, I didn't feel like an open micer anymore. I felt like I could become a working pro. You when know, you, when you toured with Sam, did you do? Were you on any of those tours that did the arenas when he did that? Like, yeah, yeah, I did, I did, I did, I did all the tours with Sam. I mean, uh, you know, we did seventy cities, then we did another secondary market of thirty cities, then we did the casinos. <laughs> Like the dunes, we did like a three-week run of the dunes in Vegas for three weeks, bro. Wow! The people at the Olympic Gardens do us by first name. <laughs> hey, what's up, baby? <laughs> I I went, I, mean, I went to one of the arena shows in Worcester, Massachusetts. Yeah. Back, I don't know. It was probably with nineteen eighty-nine, maybe. Yeah, eighty-nine would be it. Eighty-eight yeah. and eighty-nine. I started working with them in eighty-eight. We did this club called Bogarts in Cincinnati, which is like a thousand people. Right. And, yeah, uh, I yeah. used to I used to go to shows uh, uh, when I was when I was touring with a band. We did Bogarts. Yeah, that yeah. Like so that was like you know that was kind of and so from there, but then we and that's where I started with them and then we and then from there we went all over the country. I mean, he had the it was a band of guys. It was Sam Kinnis and the Outlaws, which yep. was a guy named Mitch Walters, Alan Stevens, myself, and obviously Carl LeBeau. Now this year we've just lost two of those guys. We lost Carl LeBeau. Who died of colon cancer? It was like my real good friend, and Mitchell Walters, who was also a good, good friend. We lost two other guys that you know. Right, Mitchell. I don't know what happened to him. I think he just you know passed away from old age. But Carl died of colon cancer, so I feel like one of the last Mohicans, man. I mean, listen, Jimmy, but you're also still standing. Like you know, I, I hear these stories about the outlaws, and you know, after Sam passed, you know, it was rough times. But you. Pers- you know, persevered through. And I mean, you were doing spots on ER. You were on last comic standing. Like what, like, how did that, how did his death affect you? And I, I don't want to keep on bringing up Sam, but you know, but. <laughs> no, well, you, you, no, well, you know what it was? It was like, you know, I, I mean, I always like took the lessons. I mean, Sam was far from a, a perfect human being by any stretch of the imagination, but, uh, but I watched his process. I got to see how he developed bits and how he worked on stuff. And, 
And, uh, you know, not that he was a, a great businessman <laughs> either. <laughs> you know, but, uh, but after he died, I just said, look, just take all the lessons. I, look, I saw how a guy who could get there. And really kind of Sam was like, he was just a crazy guy. But, I mean, he was like, you know, but it was it was fun. Believe me, it was fun to tour with him. I mean, back then there was no social media, thank God. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, well, you're hanging out at the dunes, and how many girls you bringing back up to the hotel? <laughs> yeah, but it was, but it was, uh, but it was, uh, it was a once in a lifetime experience. I had that experience before I was like, you know, thirty. I mean, you know, and then uh, and then I went back out on the road and tried to become the best comedian I was capable of being. That's what I did. I really kind of put my time in. I found my voice. And then I just went to work and just say, look, for me, it was like, you know, fame is fleeting. And some guys are, you know, some guys are probably more famous than they are funny. I wanted to be a great comedian. That's what I set out. That was my goal. I didn't say, I wouldn't do this because I want to become famous. But I had all these opportunities, like you said, doing ER and doing some of these acting jobs. You know, I realized early on that the acting thing is I can get my insurance if I did enough acting gigs a year. I can also get a pension fund, which I, I, I'm certainly available for to get a pension fund. I have a union that protects me. I mean, you know, we're still, you know, I'm still meeting for a guy like the wants to put me in this movie that shoots in Vegas at the end of September. So I'm still doing that kind of stuff. And, and you know, I've established myself. I was real smart about it. I mean, look, you know, it's like, you, you, you know, I can still do the acting. I can still be creative. I'm also a magician member of the Magic Castle. I got three ways to make a living, just not during a pandemic. <laughs> right. Just not during a pandemic. So I right. up magic it was the first thing we out the window. Do, wow. Uh, how, how, I need to go. How, <laughs> I need to go to Magic Castle. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead, Greg. How many takes did uh, did it, did you go through in that scene with uh, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie where she's shooting? Oh, no. Dude, look, that was the only reason I got that. It was, uh, look, it, believe it or not, you see that. You don't realize that something like that films for like two two days. They had oh, one sure. two days. Sure. I got paid for both days. But the right. guy that directed that, Dun Lyman, also put me in the movie Go. And he right. said to me, he goes, look, when I got this thing, if you want it, you can have it. It's He goes, you're in the scene with, uh, he goes, you're in the scene with Brad and Angela. And that's all I cared about, really. It's like, as long as I'm in the scene with the stars, I don't give a shit. There are no small, there's no small parts. Right. Only small actors. Sure. What people don't realize, by the time a part like that said and done, I'll make about twenty five, thirty grand off that. It's wow. just some residuals. Wow. Yeah. So the checks keep keep coming in. I mean, I, that was like during obviously during the gold age of side, but that that mailbox money. Thank fucking God for that. That kept me going during the, the during the, the pandemic because the gigs are scarce and few and yeah. far between. But you know. That's good. Yeah. I mean, you know, you see all these residual checks that people post on Instagram, which I, I think are funny that are like for a penny, and like two pennies on some things. I think that that's a hoot. But I heard I was listening to a Howard Stern interview not that long ago, and he was talking about how he gets some, some of these really small residual checks. And he said someone asked him if he, were, if he deposits them because, you know, they're a, you know, 20 cents, 13 cents. What I don't know what they're for. And he was like, of course I, I deposit them. It's money. Yeah. Well, I got a direct deposit set up. So the stuff goes automatically into my corporate account. Right. So just, I just get a running total from like, you know, I go on to see what's coming in. Sure. They always send me emails to confirm, but it's like, you know, sometimes that, that money saves you. It's an alternate stream of income. Of course. Like, like the residuals you get from uh, your radio plays on my albums. I have five right. albums out. 
They're constantly playing my stuff with Sirius XM and satellite radio. So that's a residual stream of income. Thank God for that. You know, and then I get to do my live shows. I get to act once in a while when they let me. And I, you know, and I do some, uh, you know, I like to do, you know, I mean, this was like in my head when I was nine, this was the life I envisioned for myself. Right. Now I'd like to go back and choke the fuck out of that little nine year old for the <laughs> of my life. And then, <laughs> So, so talking about magic, right? So talking about magic, like you obviously have done magic since you're a little, little kid, right? Yeah, I started doing it when I was nine. Yeah. So have you continued to, I mean, you mentioned the Magic Castle. So obviously well, well, continued to do magic. Well, you know, you know what happened? So I did it until I was like fucking probably like 18. But I mean, I practiced relentlessly uh, during my adolescent years. And the, and, the, and the discipline that comes from that. And then when I was 18, I just kind of wanted to find a room and be funny. But I had known... But I performed for that, so it just stays with you. It's like riding a bike. Sure. And so, and but about eight years ago, I went through like this midlife magic crisis, and I started getting <laughs> what back the fuck into is it. That? Because you, well, it's just, hey, dude, as far as midlife prices go, that's not a bad one. You know what I mean? I just started. I just you just wake up and you're like, oh fuck, I spent money on this rabbit out of my hat. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it was it was just card tricks. It, well, you know, the thing of it is. It's like, you know, I'm on the road. You're, you're in a hotel room. You can go fucking start crazy. If you have something to work on and develop, I mean, time flies. It's like it, it gives you something. Like, believe me, a lot of those magic tricks, just a lot of shit involved in that. Sure. But you, nobody knows how much the practice or, or, or that goes into making it seem like you're just fucking around. But that's what I said. I always said, like, you know, if, if you know, comedians took the template that magicians use, the, the discipline and the, and, and the hours of practice, and they put that template over their stand-up back. I mean, fuck, you'd have a, 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 a comedians would be so much fucking funnier. I mean, it just I, I just think they put so much more work in on their art than say, like you know, comedians do. Comedians just go up on stage and talk. What did, so what it did, seems. What did you think when they had those shows on Fox? That um, what's that? What did you think when they had those shows on Fox where they showed you the tricks of the magicians? Well, you know, it's just fucking cheesy. I mean, it's like nobody's, you know, the thing about magic is nobody's trying to make you look like a fucking idiot. Right. Obviously, the guy's not really a magician. Otherwise, you'd fucking make the deck disappear and make three hookers and they fall here. Ta-da! But I mean, it's like, you know, uh, if you just watch it and enjoy it to watch it, then it's great. But I, you don't got to give fucking, this is like, you know, it's like one of the oldest art forms in the world. Sure. I mean, it's so. I mean, just the fact that like somebody put that much work into the presentation of a magic trick. I, I think if you just watch it and try to enjoy it, I think you'd have a better time. And I need to know how it's done. Right. You know, nobody needs to know how it's done. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm amazed at magic. Magic, like when you see a good magician, it's like mesmerizing. It's it really yeah, because th that's the that's the thing. I, you know, that's the one one of the rules. There's no. Bad audiences, there are only bad magicians. Right. And I, right. I, I learned that lesson earlier. So it's like, you know, but yeah, you can't come across a bad magician. But most, but what I'm saying is if you're a good magician and the crowd loves it and it's, you know, it's, it's no big deal. But I, I just enjoy it because it keeps me doing, it keeps my hands and my mind idle right. on the road. I mean, I can just bring a deck of card and work on some slights. Right. That's all. But, hey, you know, guys, I, I, time out real quick. I'm sorry, Greg, can you do me a favor? You've got a light that's like on your head. Can you just wipe it off? A light? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like on top of you. I just probably ruined the shot a little bit. Yeah, it's right in front of you. Just blow on it now. Oh, oh, there it is. 
Thanks, You're Greg. Right. Appreciate wow. that. <laughs> Appreciate wow. that. Thanks so much, man. I just—I always love these. He went, he went. He went and got his uh, his D lights. His. Uh, his thumb tip lighter. <laughs> what the That's fuck? Crazy. What are you doing there, Jimmy? You're taking off. God damn it. Like, <laughs> I was going to do this whole thing with a back and the fourth and the out and a, mm. Yeah, 5,000. Yeah. Everybody wants to be a magician. Everybody. You know what I say? Everybody wants to be an asshole. <laughs> Everybody wants to 15 minutes of shade. That's hilarious. That's funny that you have those. And I go, where the hell is he going? And you went and got your That's <laughs> Hey, come on, bro. What's hey, Jimmy. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. You go. No, I, I was just going to say, like, during the pandemic, I got bored as well. And I used to work in restaurants for a long time. I worked in restaurants. And, you know, like, you'd always have to, like, kind of do something and I remember one of the best things I used to learn was like these stupid things would like make kids happy when I was walking around the restaurant like we could play around with it and then during yeah. the pandemic I was like you know what I gotta pick it up again like it was just it was just so much fun like I did I did it on you Instagram know for like yeah no you're right it's absolutely fun nobody does nothing you know but that little Thing. It's together. Yeah, they're fun to play with. There's no question about it. I used to go to the, I used to go to St. Christopher's Hospital in Philadelphia, and I would do shows for the sick kids, and they freaking loved it, man. And that's really where I fell in love with performing was just being able to, like you said, do the D lights or doing a candle through warm or doing some magic for the kids, and right. you know, and they would just go, they would go crazy for it, you know. But, hey, Jimmy, we got a mutual friend, uh, friend of the pod, uh, Craig Gass. And oh, Craig Gass, yeah, yeah, Craig actually wanted us to ask because he said it's one of his favorite stories. He says you have the most amazing piece about a makeover show with two young people whose faces were disfigured. Can you tell us a little bit about that? No, no, it was uh, it's not. No, that's not. It was uh, they were on uh, one of these A and E shows, and they were conjoinal twins, and they were connected at the head obviously and the one girl is wheeling the other girl around on a on a little chair thing and I, I was watching this documentary and about halfway through the documentary you know the one girl says well she's working on becoming a country western singer <laughs> and I was watching this going that's fucking I mean you can't really become a country western singer with a midget hanging off your head I mean it's not like a mole with a couple of hairs coming out of it it's a fucking midget on a stick Take you wheeling around. I mean, you couldn't even find a fucking ten-gallon hat to hide your sister. And like, hey, just get in the hat. I'm gonna be a country western singer, when you're not gonna stop me. The midget's the hat kicking around, and the hat's moving all around. All right, y'all, you ready to boot scoot and boogie? You know, but it was it's like you know, and about and then and then I want so watching this, I feel bad for these girls, you know. And then and then one girl goes, well, you know, I like the date. And I was like, how the, how the hell's that one? <laughs> let's say you're attracted. Let's say you're attracted to a larger one, and you want to take her out for a nice romantic dinner. I mean, what's the etiquette on that? I mean, you got to buy dinner for the midget too. <laughs> I, mean, you know, I don't. I don't mind. I don't mind springing for a plate of appetizers. You know, uh, here, midget. There's some cheese sticks. <laughs> How long have you been involved in a country western singer? Anyway, it's actually on YouTube. People can go check it out if they want to. Um, uh, Jimmy, we lost you. 
I'm back. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I got a phone call. I'm back. I'm back yeah, and I'm you, better than ever. I got. No, we got to um, check that out on YouTube. No, but but it, but it is it is available on YouTube. But it, it's a, it's a whole funny piece. I closed my Comedy Central special with it, and uh, oh, they're calling back. <laughs> Come on, that was funny. It was during the pandemic. This. Yes, keep the recording going. Sometimes we lose our guests. But come on, Greg, how fucking great was that? I was like a little light on your head and you're like, like, blow it. Are you talking about? I'm like, I don't understand. And then blow it off? Like, you blow it off. I don't get it. But it was well done. I, like, I'm like, where is John going that he just got up and left and didn't say anything? And I'm like, there he goes. I'm like, maybe he's going to get some, a sandwich after all the talks about sandwiches. But nope, he went and got his little toys. I got my toys. There, you go. there, there we go. Sorry. How's that? Sorry, fellas. I had to. No, it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Is yeah. your hooker ready for you? Is that what it was? No. The room's no, ready? It's, it's, no, it's my it's my old man calling me. He kept calling me and calling me and calling me. And I got I call you back, pops. Just, you know, call you back, pops. Just give me a minute here, will you? Is he, uh, is he still on the job? You no, know, it's funny. He 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 is like an old gumshoe. He's always on some kind of case. He's always working on something. I mean, you know, it's so funny. My my dad's not really a TV watcher. He's like this. Like he, he's just a reader. He just reads, and now he takes all his uh, detective skills and turns them towards the stock market and he investigates companies and tries to figure out what his investments are going to be. It's crazy. That's but he, yeah, he's, he's like Warren Buffett. He just spends most of his day reading. He does a little bit of trading online and, uh, you know, takes care of my mom. That's good. That's, that's a good skill to have, I guess. It's better than going to the racetrack and blowing your money on the horses. Well, I, I mean, I guess at some point it's all gambling, isn't it? You're yeah. Gambling. Yeah, really you're gambling. yeah. I mean, really you, you know, they, they say, uh, yeah, well, you know, you can invest. Like, man, not really. You know, <laughs> the way the way these people manipulate the markets. Yeah, no, that that is very true. So, one thing I'm I'm like really curious about is like if when you know back in the old days when you lived with Sam Dice, right? Like you guys all lived together. Well, no, there was a house behind a comedy store called Crest Hill. Right. Mark Marin had stayed there. I had stayed there. This was like Mitchie, like if the comedy store was college, like you were going right. to college there, then this place, Crest Hill, was like a fraternity house. It was like a, a frat house, and, and comics would come stay there. And at different points, yeah, Dice lived there at one point. Sam stayed there at one point. Carl LeBeau, Holly Joe Prater, Tom Wilson, Yako Shmirnoff. Over the years, comedians have stayed at this place. So when they yeah. say that, that's, that's what they're talking about, essentially. So at one point, I mean, we weren't like roommates, but we, you know, there was this house that everybody had stayed at when they first come to L.A. Oh, got it. Mitzi would put you up. If she thought you were a good enough stand-up, she would put you up and you could stay there. And the rent was minimal until you got on your feet and you figured it out. And wow. you know, But none of you guys lived there at the same time? Like, was it more than I think, one person? I think, yeah, I think the Dice, I, I think Carl LeBeau and his wife, Christy, stayed in one room. And Dice and his wife at the time, Dollface, lived in another room. And I think Sam would just crash there. Like during the day, after right. like they got out of bed, he would go out. He didn't have any place to go, so, yeah. so was I think it, he just crashed. Was it like the uh, those houses that all like the rock guys lived in down the street at like the whiskey and around the rainbow and all those places? Was it that kind of like yeah. party, party yeah. house? Yeah, yeah, it was definitely a fucking party house. Believe me, I mean like Ted Nugent was got come, would come up there and Billy Idol and 
and freaking Ron Jeremy would come up there with a bevy of, you know, like, it was just like, it was definitely a party house. I mean, wasn't a whole lot of sleep. I mean, try to get a little bit of sleep, but man, there wasn't a whole lot we had. But Matt, Matt <laughs> oh, was I bet there. you that Coke was so good back then. Too. Oh, <laughs> yeah, not like we, the shit we, we have you now. Know, yeah, yeah, but I, I mean, you know, um, yeah, but you know that was a very tumultuous period. And uh, you know, I mean, I know Mark. Mark was there with me. Me and Mark were roommates. Me and Marin were roommates. You know, I love fucking Marin. It's great to see him have success after all sure. these years. It's like, you know, the guy put a lot of, lot of, lot of work and, and effort in. So it's, I always, I always root for my friends. My friends' successes are my successes. You know. Did you watch Glow? I did. I did. Yeah, I did. Caught it. I, I, I wasn't a. I would watch it because he was in it. I would just right. like, I've, I've caught a couple episodes. Yeah. It wasn't a big, you know, the show was good, but I just, it's about women wrestlers. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, let me, uh, let me, let me kind of uh, take that. You said, you said that you, you, when you're, you're happy when your friends win, what do you currently think about, you know, the comics that are making it big now? Do you consider them coworkers are you happy about their success or do you think yeah, that our, well, well, our industry has faded a little bit? Well, here's the interesting thing. I mean, you know, we're, we're obviously you're dealing with a cop. That's a kind of a, there's a couple of things. Obviously there's guys like, you know, Tom Segura and Burke Kreischer that work incredibly hard as well as Joe Rogan and Bill Burr. I mean, these guys, you know, just work begets work. These guys are superstars. I mean, you know, uh, and then there's, uh, you know, then there's guy, then there's these like YouTube sensations that are out there doing dates at comedy clubs. And it's, one thing is not necessarily uh, like the other. Like, you know, if you're coming to a comedy club and you want to see straight stand up, then you're not going to catch that with a, like a YouTube star. You know, those, I mean, you know, obviously stand up comedy is, is, is a thing it takes you 10 or 15 years to get good at. And then, you, you know, and so if you haven't put that time in, you're not going to be a great stand up. But then, you know, obviously people will, you know, you come out to see you uh, do whatever your your thing is. And some of these folks are doing that. It's, but there's definitely a distinction to be made. I'm an yeah. old school stand up. You come to see my show, you're getting 15 minutes of straight stand up, solid stand up, setups, punchlines, callbacks, the whole thing. And, you know, and, and obviously, you know, you see guys like, you know, Bill Burr and these guys are Doug Stanhope and, and Rogan and Chappelle. I mean, you know, obviously these guys are all stand-ups that have put like 30 years in them. so they're really good at what they're doing you know not they're not but all this other stuff and i talked with uh brian regan about this you know like some of us just thought you know just just being a great stand-up is enough i didn't need to know that you had to do podcasts and do all this other stuff and so yeah so but but also want to fucking enjoy my life i mean how much time how much do you need to fucking know, know about me and this week on the jimmy schubert show i'm gonna swallow a camera and you guys are all gonna take a ride through my lower intestine and whoever guesses the correct amount of polyps on my lower gi four free tickets to my next show at the improv i mean like like, 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 like how much I mean, I got a a question though, Jimmy, and this is like, I mean, this is, this is a terrible fucking segue as an interviewer, but Greg's going to fucking hate this. But just recently in the news, Matt Damon was told that he can no longer say the F word, you know, and that his daughter told him since being a comic from the late nineties until now, have you had to alter your set in any way to make sure that, that, that the audience is comfortable? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, I'm smart enough to write around it, but I mean, you, you're right. I mean, we, you, you know, once the, once once our sense of humor goes, 
that's it. We're done. I mean, we're done as a country. We're done as a, a democracy. Once the fact that you, you see people don't see the the, the big picture and, it, and it's kind of cumulative because it's just the little things. It's a little thing. And then all of a sudden it's you realize how much you, you, you've lost the ability to communicate with free speech because some, I mean, apparently uh, if you're speaking the truth now, it's some kind of hate speech. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I find that absolutely ridiculous. I mean, first off, if, 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 if something can be crushed with the truth, then it should be crushed. I mean, you know, you, you know, you, I, I mean, I always say this to people, you know, television, your television set is the enemy in your house. It is the enemy in your house. It's full of misinformation. I just don't, I don't watch the news anymore. I, at one point I used to worry about what was going on. I don't even watch it anymore because it's not even news per se. I don't know. So-and-so goes after one of her internet trolls and lets them have it. I go, really, is it a newsworthy? Do we really need to waste the time to Listen, I just brought up a fucking article about fucking Matt Damon not being able to say the F word anymore. And you know what's leading right now? Cuomo. Cuomo's leading in the news right now because he just, he just said he just quit on us. <laughs> Cuomo just quit. <laughs> well, well, dude, I, I mean, you know, he's a fucking scumbag. These guys all talk about how, you know, they all hide behind some moralistic rhetoric of, uh, you know, you need to be, well, he needs to resign. Meanwhile, he's a scumbag doing the same thing. These people are all fucking scumbags. They are fucking selling us out a nickel a piece just selling us down the river they don't give a fuck anymore about you the, the, my favorite government conspiracy is the one where they think where they convince you that they care about you <laughs> they true. really care about us they really care about us and, then, and, 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 and the problem is these people sit in front of a fucking TV set and it's like okay TV who should I be mad at today how should I feel today TV and your fucking brainstem is soft from 30 years of watching that fucking rubbish just filter into your house. It's nothing but, I, we might, I don't eat out of the toilet for the same reason I don't watch CNN. You know what I mean? I don't, I, I, you know, I just, I, I just find it to be absolutely ridiculous. I mean, we're in the middle of a fucking, like a psyop. Like, I think this thing is the biggest fucking, like, I'm not saying it's not real, but I'm just telling you the reaction to it on by everybody is fucking ridiculous. If my fucking life depends on you fucking being smart, then I'm fucked. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. I, I, I mean, I, I'm serious. No, I, have, I, I have very, I have very little faith in fucking, you know, when we're talking about what, what is it, kind of 99.7% survival rate? Yeah. Is it scary? Yeah. Did people wind up on vents? Yeah. Did some people die? Yeah. Did some people live? Yeah. I mean, what the fuck? I mean, let's shut it all down. I mean, you, know, the, you know, you know, the variant I'm worried about is the communism variant, you know, because you, you don't realize that everything's being pushed back and you, these rights, these rights that you think you have, you live in a fucking free country. You're fucking out of your mind. These people, everything you type in your computer, everything you say on your phone, they're fucking listening to it all. And you should conduct yourself and act accordingly because they absolutely fucking are. Not is to be there, like, you know. I get it. Not is to, there places not, in America, though, that you that you feel that are easier to be around and be able to kind of do your art form in front of than yeah, some areas? Florida. Like Florida. Florida. Yeah, Florida. Yeah, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I moved there. Yeah. Even well, Miami-Dade County. 
Well, dude, I mean, you look at like, you know, like in San Francisco, which is the only city in America where dogs have to walk down the street and worry about stepping in human shit. I mean, you know, you've, taken, you've, taken, you've, taken, you've, taken, you've taken a beautiful city, the jewel of the West Coast, as I like to call it, because it was an East Coast city on the West Coast, and you fucking ruined it. There's people shooting up on the public transportation system. I mean, that's just, it's just, it's just bad. I mean, these people, look at these fucking people. Look, fucking, uh, Andrew Cuomo is a fucking predator and a scumbag. And you would have this guy making any fucking decisions about your life at all. At all, though. The, the, we the, the Republicans, <laughs> The Republicans and the Democrats are all fucking, they're, they're all the same. They're all the fucking same. Well, it's just a sport now. Like, like it's literally just a sport. Well, it's who's going yeah, to win, you know, what's the, you know, how, do you, how are you keeping score? Well, it's, it's, it's professional wrestling. Yeah. Because these they, they act like they hate each other. In the meantime, they all go out and spend our fucking tax dollars on these big, elaborate, fancy fucking dinners and eat steaks and $300 bottles of wine while they're fucking getting, convincing us their side's right or this side's right. And and, and if, you, if somebody thinks that one side's better than the other, then that's how I know you're a fucking moron and you take <laughs> your IQ with a fucking tire gauge. Because... It's, it's two wings of the fucking same bird. They've been fucking us for the last 30 years, ever since they killed Kennedy. I love the fucking part. I love the foreign aid package. I love the, look, we're just going to send this money overseas for foreign aid. Meanwhile, they run it through this company and this company and this company and this company. And then it comes back uh, to one of their relatives in some fucking well-disguised sure. thing. And they the foreign the aid package for the Philippines back in the 1970s and 80s went right to the Marcos's pockets, you know? A lot of shoes yeah. were purchased with that money. A lot, a lot of shoes. A lot of shoes, bro. It's like a lot of shoes. A lot of fucking shoes. A <laughs> lot of, of Louboutins, bro. A lot of Louboutins going <laughs> well, Jimmy... I'm just waiting until like a couple LAPD roll in behind Jimmy. Is that what's going on back there? Jimmy, where uh, where 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 are you going to be next? Uh, this whole episode will be coming out next week. Where are you going to be on? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, this Friday, Saturday, I'll be down in. Uh, I will be in Austin, Texas, in the Romo Room. Nice. And then from there, and then from there, I go back uh, back to. Uh, I'm doing Tampa. October. I'm doing Tampa side splitters from October. Uh, 28th. I love that room in Tampa. Such a good room. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a great room. And the guy who runs it, Brian Thompson's a great guy. And then I'm going up to Rochester, September 16th to the 18th. I'll be in Rochester at Comedy to Carlson, which is a great club out there as well. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm I'm only in LA LA for a couple more days and I can get out of here. (laughs) And then then escape back to 2021. All right, Jimmy, before you leave, though, one more question. What is yeah. the food that you go after when you're in Los Angeles? Ooh, that's a good question. I like, yeah, there's, I'm, I'm, that's where I'm going to go for lunch after I drop the sewer pickle. I'm going to make a little room. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm going to go for some Thai food, which is right down the street. Where? So what Thai place? Uh, it's called Thai barbecue. So they, they, but it's all, you get the pot Thai, the chicken pot Thai. Right. And, uh, and and a cucumber salad and uh, you know come a couple spring rolls. Wait, you can't so get that, I, that in Florida. Oh, you can, but I, it's like it's like I, the other day I was at a sushi place. I had a great sushi. I went to this a Roha sushi with a buddy of mine, and it's just like you know the sushi is like world class. But then I uh, so I had that, but you can't. I really haven't found a great sushi place in Florida yet, but I'm working on. Wait, so Aroha in in uh, in Studio City? Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. That's that's the that place is the best uh, sushi in that neighbor in that area. Like of all those, yeah, yeah. Places, There's no question. It's no question far. about it. Yeah, and it looks yeah, like uh, a back alley massage parlor. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I love about it. Yeah, me too. That's what I love about it. <laughs> well, Jimmy, hey, thanks so much, man. We appreciate hey, you being on the pod, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, Great meeting, and uh, continued success. Bye, bye. You too, buddy. Thanks, Peace. 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 Peace